Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. The 2021 U.S. Open is just a month away, and our summer in the city's coverage is heating up on the hard courts of Atlanta. Novak's dream of Olympic gold is over, but could there be a silver lining for his chase of the calendar Grand Slam? Rafa's getting ready in Washington, D.C. We'll take a look at the draw for next week's City Open. And our analysts put on their coaching hats as Tracy Austin and Kamal Murray hand out some free tips to the semifinalists at the Atlanta Open. We're all about that Friday vibe. We're all about smiles on TC Live next. And welcome to Tennis Channel Live presented by Fidelity. Coming up on tonight's show as we look at Atlanta, hoping for some good weather down there soon so we can get to the final quarterfinal of the day. But right now they're waiting and so we will talk some tennis here on Tennis Channel Live presented by Fidelity. There's the old Olympic Park in Atlanta. On tonight's show, you heard it, Novak's dream of a Golden Slam dashed as he falls to Alexander Zverev in Tokyo. Meanwhile, Rafael Nadal, he's landed in the nation's capital to play his first ever City Open. We'll check in on what he's up to and we'll hand out some free coaching tips. Sorry, not to you guys, but to the four semifinalists at the Atlanta Open. And welcome inside our studio here in San Monica. Rob Simulcare along with Tracy Austin and Kamal Murray as we get you set for hopefully some more tennis in Atlanta coming up. But in the meantime, the big news in Tokyo is Novak Djokovic. Everybody's been talking about it. The Golden Slam, something that no man has ever accomplished in the sport of tennis. Only Steffi Groff has ever done it. And it was a good start for Djokovic in his semifinal. He won the first set 6-1, but then loses to Alexander Zverev in three sets. And so his dream of the Golden Slam is dashed in three, and he'll play for the bronze medal instead. And Tracy, you know, listening to his comments after the match, you could tell that this hurt him. He wanted this. And so how do you think he'll bounce back from this as we head toward the real chance for history he's got in New York at the U.S. Well, I think first we need to talk about just the match. He was up 6-1 and 3-2 up a break. And you look at the scoreline, he won one more game. It's just incredible collapse from a guy who has won so many matches, like 22 or 23 matches in a row. We were thinking that Novak was the heavy favorite to take the gold. He's never won the gold. Obviously, he wanted one. He's 34 now. But more importantly, he was hoping for the golden slam. So that is now dashed. Uh, I think this is going to be – he says he feels terrible. He said afterwards he's hoping to be able to – refresh and recover for tomorrow and at least get the bronze in singles. And he has an opportunity in the mixed doubles as well. He said, you know, this is all about bringing back medals for your country. And so he's feeling badly about that because he thought that he was going to get the gold. Yeah, you know, I I thought it was interesting. We don't normally see Novak blow a set and a break Mm -hmm. lead. Uh, And, you know, perhaps he got ahead of himself. You know, sometimes when you're 
close to the finish line, you start looking too far ahead, and then you just sort of let go of it. And so, you know, I'm sure he's disappointed. But what I was actually found very interesting was how attached he was to the result. We see a lot of players, a lot of young players, after they lost, after they lose, they say, eh, you know, whatever, next week's a new week, blah, blah, blah. And it was like they don't seem attached to what's going on. And for Novak to be so invested in an Olympic gold medal, which normally doesn't mean that much in the world of tennis, I was encouraged. And I think that's a lesson for some of the young players, to not be afraid to attach yourself to the result and, you know, sort of avoid the, the feeling of disappointment. You talked about the conditions and, you know, he, maybe his service level dropped a little bit. He served very well in that first set. Clearly, you know, he said it was the worst conditions he'd ever played in in Tokyo in his 20 years. As far as heat and humidity. Yes, heat and humidity. And, and, and his 20 years as a professional tennis player, that is saying a lot. He's played some hot tournaments. That is. And he talked about his serve just completely going away. And yet Zverev, who has had some yips on his serve and, and with double faulting problems, he served lights out. So he elevated at the most important moments, and for Novak, he dipped. And I think you hit on an important point when you said, you know, tennis players, there's always next week. Well, guess what? The Olympics, it's next four years. So that's a long time. He'll be 38 years old. And not only that, we're going for the calendar year Grand Slam, the Golden Slam. He's already got three legs of it. That's really hard to get to that point. So then you start to squeeze a little bit too tight. Remember Serena Williams in 2015 got to the semis of the U.S. Open playing Vinci, and we're thinking, okay, write her name into the finals, and she lost to Roberta Vinci. It's, even though he's won so much, they still are human, and it looks like he felt the pressure. And then when you think about the side of the draw that he was on, I mean, maybe it would have been a little bit better if he was on the opposite side of the draw because right about this time last year, Alexander Zverev started to come of age, right, and reach his first Grand Slam final. So he's no slouch, and he's shown he has the ability to have big wins like this. And so, you know, this is not as shocking. Um, And, you know, like I said, Djokovic is just extremely disappointed and, and, and understandably so. Well, you know, I heard a, a good comment from Chris McKendry, our friend, who mm. said on Twitter today, she said, you know, give him credit for trying because it would have been very easy after Wimbledon to just say, you know, Tokyo, it's a long trip. It's going to be weird with the COVID restrictions and I need to get ready for the U.S. Open. Let me focus on that and skip that. And instead, he went for it. He went over there, not just in singles, by the way, but mixed doubles as well. Yep. So he put himself out there. And I think he deserves some credit for trying. Absolutely. But that didn't surprise me at all. He is now, I mean, he's tied with Roger and he's tied with Rafa, both with 20. Can you imagine if he'd gotten the Golden Slam? I mean, that's going to really elevate him. First of all, winning the U.S. Open. If he does that, it's going to be 21. Then the Golden Slam, well, that really puts him in a different category. The mixed doubles, to me, that comes down to playing for your country. Because mixed doubles isn't going to help Novak. He doesn't need more reps over there, especially in the heat and the humidity. But I think it's all about playing for Serbia. That's what's really important. And six matches in three days he's playing, if you include the mix. So he's given the, the conditions over there. He's really putting himself to the test. And, and I think this is when you do look ahead and, and wonder, all right, he's got to now fly halfway across the globe. Uh, he's got to get himself into the U.S. Open swing, presumably playing. We don't know his schedule. I don't know his schedule, uh, Canada, Cincinnati. But he doesn't have a ton of time to get himself ready for New York. So you'll wonder when we look back on this a few weeks from now in Flushing Meadow, will we be talking about the impact that Tokyo may have had on his preparation for the U.S. Open? Well, I think from a match standpoint, this is going to help his preparation. Mm. He's got a few more matches, some tough matches with some added pressure 
of it being the Olympics, I feel there's plenty of time to get his body acclimated to the time zone. So I don't think this will hurt him at all. And as a matter of fact, I mean, it could be a blessing in disguise to go ahead and get the loss out the way. You know, you think about Wimbledon. This, imagine if he had won Wimbledon. Um, gold medal and got all the way to the semis and finals of the U.S. Open. I mean, that would have been like a mm. real sort of uh, frightening situation to, you know, not have lost in almost two months. So for now, he can kind of regroup, reset, and move on. Well, there will be a gold medal match. Novak Djokovic will not be in it, but let's take a look at who will be playing for the gold in Tokyo on both the men's and women's side. And you know that Alexander Zverev gets through to the gold medal match. He'll take on Haganov um, of Russia. Uh, and so wh wh what do you make of that matchup on the men's side? I think it should be really interesting. And I think because it is an Olympics, it's like the Davis Cup, you get surprising results. These players playing for their country, they feel like they're playing for more than just themselves. And that is such a special moment. They're playing the national anthem. You've got your, your, your country colors on your chest. Um, so I, I think it will be extremely interesting just for that alone to see how they handle the pressure. And as I said, just once in every four years, they have this opportunity. And I've been surprised, Kamau, because we know there's a lot of people that chose not to go to the Olympics, whether it was Serena or Nadal or Federer. But the players that are there, they seem 100% invested. And you even said that a lot of times the gold medal isn't quite as important. Dementieva, when she won it, she said, this is bigger than any major for me because I was representing my country. So pressure, will they elevate or will it just be too much pressure for them? Meanwhile, Kamal on the women's side, you got Bencic and Vondrusova, of course, who took out Osaka. Yeah, I think Vondrusova is a very tricky player. To me, they play very similarly, uh, although one's righty, one's lefty. They kind of hit, play toward the sideline, trying to open up the court, don't really hit through the court as much. And so it's going to be a track meet. I mean, both girls are going to spend a lot of times in the doubles alley, kind of chasing balls, trying to redirect. So that is going to be a very interesting match, very strategic. And the, the key is going to come down to who redirects, take advantage of hitting down the line when they get pulled too far wide, as opposed to going cross court. So, you know, look to see who's more aggressive early in the point and starts to redirect to try to get control of the point. Well, meanwhile, for American tennis in Tokyo, it was certainly disappointing, you'd have to say, as the United States will come away with no medals in a, an Olympic tennis tournament for the first time since 1920. Their last hope for a medal, Tennis Sandgren and his partner, Austin Krychek, go down to defeat. They lose in the bronze medal match, and so they will not get a medal and you know, this is obviously tough. We have some of the best American players, of course, as you said before, did not choose to make the trip. So can't exactly say the U.S. was swept with its best. Yes. But still, I think when you think about it, no medals for U.S. tennis out of an Olympics, there has to be some disappointment. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I thought, I thought we'd maybe squeak through with a bronze in doubles or a silver in doubles. Bethany Maddox-Sands has played so well. She had two great partners. So, yes, I think it's very disappointing to come out with zero medals. I mean, since uh, the Olympics came back as a full medal sport in 88, uh, certainly we've, we've 14 gold medals, a lot of those to Venus and Serena. Mm -hmm. um, but it's definitely a disappointment. I think COVID has a lot to do with it. There were a number of Americans that at the top ranked higher that chose not to go. Yeah, I think, you know, when I looked at the gold, uh, the Olympic team, I thought we would come away with the medal on the women's side. We had Jen Brady, Jesse Pagula, you know, Bethany playing doubles. I thought that that was probably our strongest side of the house mm. to go and come home with a medal. So I think that's a little bit surprising. But I think, you know, give credit to Austin Krychek and, you know, Tennis Sanger for getting that far. Well, one place Americans are doing pretty well is in America, in Atlanta, at the ATP tournament going on down there. Americans are all over the semifinals here. Let's take a look at what's happened. And we start out with our first quarterfinal today, Brandon Nakashima 
playing some of the best tennis of his life. Yeah, he really is coming off of the final last week in Mexico. And Nakashima has been serving well all week, and he continued that today. And he is so tough in the critical moments. Nakashima, just 19 years old, and he trusts himself in the big moments to play deep, to play hard, to play accurate. And this is match point. He had beaten Thompson last week in Mexico in three sets. Today, it was two, so he did one better. And you look at and you look at that second serve to Nakashima backhand like Jordan Thompson didn't read the scouting report. I mean yes. that's just what he wanted, right? <laughs> Not that that backhand winner doesn't shock me. A matchup of Americans here: Riley Opelka and Taylor Fritz, and this was an ace fest. Forty-eight aces combined between these two. Yeah, you look at Riley here, and it's just you know what I like is that he's starting to move forward, starting to press the issue, show some more variety in this game, uh, and he got you know had a great match and. You know, actually got to the tiebreaker with Taylor Fritz, who to me is just slightly the better player, a little bit more well-rounded. But, I mean, what a slugfest this was uh, on the serving side. So Opelka saved two match points there in the second set, and it would take Taylor Fritz just over an hour and a half to get another match point in this third set tiebreak. Yeah, and you look at Riley here. Normally you see Riley on the run, that smells trouble. And it certainly smelled trouble in the third set here. That was a passive point from Riley Opelka. Yep. And he can't afford to lose a service point. That was what was so costly. Yeah, and credit to Taylor Fritz. I mean, you know, he's just coming back from surgery, playing a lot of matches. All these matches have been gone late into each set. And so that, that, that injury is looking is just okay. And he's looked like he's gearing up for the U.S. Open. Taylor Fritz now 5-1 career against Riley Opelka. So he's doing pretty well in that matchup. And he advances to the semifinals. And, you know, Fritz, is, is, he's been playing, obviously, very well lately. He's, he's got momentum coming into the semifinal. Where do you like him in this tournament? I love Taylor Fritz every day, all day. I, I just love <laughs> the way that that guy competes. He reminds me a lot of Brandon Nakashima. Those guys are winners. You put them in a tough situation, you get them into a tiebreak, I believe that they're going to come through. They're going to figure it out some, some way, somehow. He served so big. Uh, he really had no trouble with his serve today. He returned enough balls back in play, got Riley on, on the move. I just think that overall, Taylor Fritz is a really, really solid game. I, I think he's got a, an important summer coming up on the hard courts. All right, well, three of the four semifinal spots are now accounted for in Atlanta. Let's take a look at what we've got coming up tomorrow. This is our Cadillac Saturday order of play. We start off over in Kispiel, Austria. We'll talk about that in a little while. Kasper Ruud going for three tournament wins in three weeks. He'll play in the final there on the clay against Pedro Martinez. And then one semifinal set. Brandon Nakashima will take on Emil Roussevori, the surprising Finn who came through the semifinal to the semifinals today. And there's Taylor Fritz. He'll take on the winner of the Isner-O'Connell match that we hope to bring you soon. When we come back here on Tennis Channel Live, presented by Fidelity, Rafael Nadal making his first career appearance in Washington, D.C. at the City Open. We'll check in on his training routine as he gets ready for D.C. after this on TC Live. Tennis Channel Live is presented by Fidelity Wealth Management. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance 
or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Back here on TC Live, we go now to Kitzbühel, Austria, where they're playing on the clay. Cameron Kasper Rood of Norway going for three tournament wins in three weeks, taking on Arthur Winderknecht. That's Kasper Rood in the far court, and he is on fire. He is so good on the clay. He has so many match wins on this surface. Arthur Rindernick on the in the far court is an alternate from France, and Rindernick just couldn't keep up with Rood. The physicality of Rood is just incredible. The way that he hits so close to the sidelines, just really bossing the baseline. He did an incredible job of he's played so much tennis. Gives him confidence, but really hard to get through it physically. And he's fired up. He is fired up. And you look all week, he was pulling guys wide to the ad side, then playing behind him to the do side. And that's a skill that he's shown this week and one he'll definitely try to use as he heads to the hard courts. And so Rude gets through. He'll face Pedro Martinez of Spain in that final tomorrow morning, 10.30 Eastern. We'll have that on Tennis Channel. Great atmosphere, by the way, in Kitzbühel. Big crowds. They've been fired up. So that should be a good one tomorrow in Kitzbühel as Rude goes for a little bit of history here. And, you know, you, you, you got to like the way he's just racking up the, the points over there. He's going to come into the U.S. Open with a pretty good ranking. Well, that's what's so important right about now. He obviously loves Clay the best, but he's got to start to have those same kind of results on hard court. And this, these, if he can win three in a row, even getting the finals, his ranking is going to go that much higher, and it's going to make it easier for him at, at the U.S. Open. But I, I think he has the game that he can really transfer over to hard courts because he hits through the court, he's physical enough, he's got a big enough game. It's not like he's just you know, keeping the ball alive with, with consistency. Uh, very exciting time for him. And his dad played on the ATP Tour. He must be so ecstatic with all of this success. Well, he's looking like a genius right now because he chose to stay on the clay and it worked. And I, I agree with you, Tracy. The patterns that he's using to beat people are hard court patterns. Yeah. He's playing, pulling guys really wide to the ad side, hitting through the court, having to make them step into the court, and then hitting deep to the do side. That's a classic pattern that I think he'll have success with over here in the States. But how about Martinez? That's the guy that got a shower this week in between the first and second set. We'll see, we'll see if, the, if the, court, the court maintenance crew That's right. sprays him off again. He Maybe Kasparu. if he's hot, he'll say, hey, where's that, where's exactly. that water? The world wants to see Casper continue his run, so he might need a little help. Well, uh, another guy who knows a little bit about playing pretty well on clay and then turning around and playing pretty well on a hard court, a guy you may know by the name of Rafael Nadal. And Nadal... He is now practicing in Washington, D.C. for the City Open, his first appearance at this tournament, and he's, uh, he's banging away there in D.C., looking ready. We saw him practicing in Spain before this. He's made the trip over, and uh, you wonder what his hopes are. Obviously, the history, and everyone's going to be talking about Djokovic coming into this, but Rafael Nadal right there tied with Djokovic at 20. He's got a chance to deny Djokovic some history. Yeah, without a doubt. And Rafa chose not to go to Tokyo to play in the Olympics. Just felt that his body wasn't quite ready. Maybe didn't like all of the restrictions. But the fact that he chose to go to Washington, D.C. Can you imagine Mark Ein getting that phone call? Rafa wants to come play. Uh, sure, we got it. We got a wild card for him. No problem. So the, the tickets sold out right away. Very exciting. This is the start of his hardcore swing. And, you know, I've heard he's been practicing twice a day. So he's been getting two hours in the morning, an hour in the evening. He probably figures he's going to be the night match trying to get accustomed to the lights and to the, 
uh, the air at nighttime. So I think he's, you know, when you look at his preparation to see a guy at this point in his career still having two a days in a, in a tournament yeah. like D.C., that shows that he's, he's there to win. Meanwhile, guys, a little news on the coaching front. Some news coming off here and uh, a breakup. Zach Evenden out, splitting up with Francis Tiafo. Kamau, what's your take on this? As a coach, we, you know, we, we see this happen. Coaches and these teams break up. They get back together. What's your take? Well, you know, I think their relationship is one that's permanent. I mean, Zach has been with him through a very important time in his career as he was maturing first years on the tour. Um, I just think that, you know, sometimes you take a break from each other and then you come back together. So, I mean, you know, Zach Evan just had a child, just got his citizenship now as well. So this is a good opportunity for him to spend some much-needed time with his family, right? And then, you know, if the, if the stars align again, they reunite again, they can start over again um, in a different way. But, you know, not a big deal, not a lot of drama here, nothing big to report. Seems amicable, which yeah. is always nice after four years. All right, well, we've got uh, some more tennis hopefully coming up from Atlanta. Let's... Take a look right now at what's going on in Atlanta. We think we may be getting some tennis. There we go. We've got players on the court. A coin flip about to take place as John Isner out there with Christopher O'Connell. And we hope to bring you some live tennis coming up right after this. We'll take a break. Come right back with, a, with this match, hopefully, in just a minute. We'll be, we'll be back on TC Live. And welcome back to TC Live. Rob Simulcare, Tracy Austin, as we get you set for the start of tennis, the fourth semifinal in Atlanta. John Isner taking on Australian Christopher O'Connell. And Tracy O'Connell is having himself a career week. He had never been in an ATP Tour-level quarterfinal before. Now he's in a semifinal against five-time champion John Isner. What do you like? He's got no pressure here today. He definitely has no pressure. I mean, everything now is just a bonus. He's a qualifier um, playing against John Isner, who's won this title in Atlanta five times. I, I would pretty much give the heavy edge to John Isner. The court's quick. John Isner's been serving very well. We saw him play against Jack Sock yesterday. He's hitting his spots. He's moving well. He's volleying well. Uh, you know, O'Connell can go out there. He's got a big forehand. He's a very good athlete, a nice one-handed backhand. And, uh, but he's going to have to hold his serve. O'Connell's going to feel the pressure to have to hold because it's very difficult to break uh, John Isner on this surface. One thing we've been talking about with Isner this week is the ability to break earlier in a set and not wait for that tie break. He knows that he can hold serve pretty consistently, but can he get the early break, put sets away before he gets deep into five all, six all playing tie breaks? Well, John's pretty comfortable in tie breaks, too, because he knows that he, he's got such a big serve. But you're right. John Isner has really worked on his return of serve, particularly off that backhand wing. Um, you know, he's known to take big cuts at, at returns, take big cuts at ground strokes early in points. Maybe he'll get lucky and, and rip a few winners and get that break because he has so much confidence that he can hold serve. All right, Tracy, we'll watch that match along with you. We've got Kamal and Alex on the call of John Isner and Chris O'Connell, the fourth semifinal from Atlanta. Enjoy. 